Good morning. So nice to see your faces. I'd love to unwrap a beautiful gift to share with you as I share a little bit about where I've come from. One cold winter morning in a high mountain town of Guatemala, I came on the scene. The last fourth daughter on almost the last day of the year. My parents lived as missionaries, having moved to Central America a few years prior. My dad, also a skilled plumber, installed a hand-dug water well and piping for running water and sewer at the mission's campus. He also rode a weekly circuit from village to village as part of a traveling Bible school program. He would either teach or interpret the other missionaries' messages from English to Spanish so that from Spanish it could be delivered in the local Indian language. We eventually moved back to the States, settled in Los Angeles, where my dad returned to Fuller Theological Seminary, where he was a teaching assistant for his mentor, Peter Wagner, at the School for World Missions. I'm sure there's a significance to the amount of times that Elijah asked Elisha to stay put, possibly out of humility at the coming honor of his incredible departure. There is significance to the number of witnesses to this event, even significance to the places where he stopped, where he was presumably saying a last farewell to his friends. But what I'm struck with is a perhaps simpler message, an intense eagerness for Elijah, Elisha to stay with and to be with, to witness Elijah's coming glory. Young Elisha walked and talked with old Elijah. His long and storied prophetic ministry was about to end with a bang. Elisha loved what he'd seen, heard, and witnessed. He wanted that. He really wanted that, to experience the relationship, the anointing that God gave Elijah. At a, as a little girl, at the tender age of 28 months old, I wanted what my dad had. I knew enough to go directly to Jesus and ask him for it, so I did. I didn't yet know the Nicene Creed that would come later. I wanted that relationship with Jesus. I ran outside to meet my dad one day as he came home from work so I could tell him, we're going to be together in heaven one day. How do you know, he asked. When I was in my bed, I asked Jesus to come live in my heart. And did he? He asked me. Yep. Everywhere my dad took his car, I thought it was my right to be alongside him. Many times it was a prayer meeting where I would inevitably fall asleep. Sometimes it was a simple errand, even the barbershop. It didn't matter to me. I had to be with him 
and was always watching and learning from him. Of course, we went to the park and got ice creams, but sometimes I came along to outreaches on gang-ridden government housing projects where there was ongoing ministry to the children who I thought were just like me. Elijah struck the waters of the Jordan River and they parted so that they could cross over on dry ground. On the other side of the Jordan, Elijah offers to do one last thing for Elisha, and he asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit to be on him. After Elijah was taken up in this whirlwind, Elisha asked, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Immediately, he strikes the water with the same mantle and again crosses through the waters. God, in his goodness, is revealed what he was about to do to the 50 sons of the prophets, and he's still revealing himself to us, telling us what he's about to do. Elijah is the older generation passing on the spirit, wisdom, and revelation that he had received to Elisha, the younger generation. God honors relationships. In his goodness, he works through this healthy relationship God, the best father, he sent his son, then paused his constant communion with Jesus when Jesus was crucified. Jesus became sin itself, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, so that we might become the righteousness of God. That means that when God sees us, he doesn't see our sin, he sees us through Jesus. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us every moment. That's good news. As missionaries often do, our family sent out newsletters. When I was about six, my dad called to order a second batch from the print shop. And the owner, a sweet Armenian man, apologized and said he wouldn't be able to do any work as he had a painful stomach ulcer and he could barely stand up. My dad offered to Come and pray with him. On the way there, it was explained to me what we were doing and why. That Jesus died to take away our sin and pain, and by his stripes we were healed. When we met the man, I knew just what to do. My dad stood back, and I reached out and touched this man's side, probably very quietly, shy, and simply commanded that he be healed in Jesus' name. We left after talking, and later the man called and said he felt no pain and had no symptoms. Of course, he'd do the reprint, no charge. I knew my authority. It was modeled to me in easy, age-appropriate language. As I grew up, our family always seemed to be in community with people from all across the country and the world. Whether they stayed in our home or I heard their stories or I just marveled at the way that they spoke. I grew up with a global worldview, learning about different ethnic groups and world religions. People, the way they think and the places they call home fascinate me. It was only natural that I prepare myself for some sort of life lived in nations that might demand you be ready to share the gospel. I went to Bethel, a ministry school, to prepare for just that. In my second year, I lived with nine other girls. 
One evening, a few of them gathered in my room, something we did almost every night, but this night was different. As they gathered around and tucked their knees up to their chins, one girl asked me, can you tell me what it's like to have a good father? I didn't remember mentioning him, but apparently I had. This question seemed to come from nowhere, but then I remembered the stories of these particular girls. One father gone too soon, one father an unbeliever, one unavailable. I realized that there are as many father stories as there are beating hearts. I said, of course I'll tell you. The fact that they were hungering for something is because it, it exists. There is a good father. As much as my friends long for a healthy father in their lives, someone to give them undivided attention, to wrestle with the big things in life, how much more does the world around us, close around us, long for the knowledge of a God who is good, who has good plans for them? Every time my dad left the country, he would take a small world globe and show me right where he would be until he came back. I didn't have to miss him. I felt connected to him. I was six or seven, and my dad spent a few months in Cambodia, the other side of that globe. He met and ministered alongside a woman called TV. In the late 70s, TV and her family were targeted during the Khmer Rouge Revolution, where millions were lost to genocide. TV was left for dead alongside her family in the killing fields. But she woke up. She made a miraculous escape, helped by a guard. During her time with my dad in the 90s, she recognized something she didn't have. She asked him, can I call you dad? He accepted. After hearing this story, I would tell people I had four sisters, not three. She would send letters, ask about the family, and kept us in her prayers also. I included her. All she had to do was call my father by the same name. Thirteen years later, I followed his steps to Cambodia and finally got to meet my fourth sister. Now, I can't tell you or anyone what it's like to have a good father without including a blessing based on Ephesians 1 that my father always spoke over me and still will to this day. Although it's sometimes varied, pulling at times different threads of God's goodness, it worked much like liturgy, working truth into my heart, my mind, and my spirit. I'll close with that in a few minutes, but that leads me first to Ephesians, where Paul is writing to the saints at Ephesus and beyond. He's stewarding God's grace for the revelation of a powerful mystery. He's sharing his insight into the mystery of Christ. Breaking news. This is the first generation that is to understand that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members, and partakers in the promise of Christ. In God's eyes, there are no unimportant people. Paul was made minister to the Gentiles to illuminate this glorious truth that God had kept shrouded in mystery until this time. As a good father in the faith, 
Paul suffers for the glory of his fellow Christians. And now, the multifaceted wisdom of God who gives us all identity will be known throughout the church among rulers above and below. There is something powerful transforming people and there's grace to communicate it. You cannot ask enough of him. I don't have all of Westminster Shorter Catechism memorized, but I do know this one thing. It's taught to me my whole life. Question, what is the chief end of man? Answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him. Enjoy him forever. When you are filled up with the fullness of God through his spirit, you can enjoy him and have peace, all the while glorifying him. Of all the world religions and tribal beliefs that I've studied as an amateur, I've never heard of a worshiped God who is good. Usually there's quite an element of fear and not the good kind. Jesus sees his disciples struggling on the water. He's not frustrated with them. He immediately calms their fears, as can be expected in his presence. It doesn't matter that these disciples didn't fully get what was happening the first time they saw a miracle or the 50th time. He did not change in his goodness toward them. Now, despite all these stories, my dad's not a perfect person. In his life and ministry to others, he always pointed to God who is perfect and good. If you've met God, if you have encountered his goodness in your life, you are qualified, you are entitled to share his goodness. God's goodness is not measured. It is not intended to be stored up against future lack, but distributed freely. Share the goodness of God in your life. You are placed in certain situations for a reason. Wherever you are throughout the week, share goodness, kindness, and grace to the person right in front of you. I bless you with joy and peace. I bless you with the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ how much he knows and loves you. I bless you with strength and refreshing. In Jesus' name, amen.